Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of Reconciling Grace. My name is Pete Vecchi, and I'm part of a panel here that consists of Steve Wilson, Vicki Cundiff, and Mick Wells. And we are in part two of a topic we call God and Animals. As often happens around here, we started a topic one time, and we just knew we weren't going to get all the way through it, so we've kind of kept the... Uh, the recording device is rolling, and we're going to just kind of pick up where we did last time, or at least where we ended last time, I should say. So Mick has been leading us in this topic. So Mick, I'll just let you take it away from here. Yeah, for you listeners, uh, last time we looked at things like where animals came from, uh, what God, how God cares uh, for animals, and how they give glory uh, to God. And we touched on a little bit of how animals were affected by the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I want to carry on with a few other aspects of this, and I say few because there are many. In fact, I've known of people who have dedicated their entire ministry and career to this kind of specialty. I want to take a look, first of all, in this program about what our responsibility is toward animals as uh, human beings. Pete, would you share with us to start things off uh, Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So we see there that God not not only created uh, the world, he claims ownership of it. According to this, the earth belongs to to the Lord, everything in it. That includes Pete Vecchi, Vicki Cundiff, Steve Wilson, Mick Wells. Bob Morris, and all the animals. So he has ownership. Even Cody. Even Cody, who is a gigantic... What is that? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah, it looks like a a horse without a saddle. For our listeners who don't know, that is Bob's dog. Yes. (laughs) You don't want it to be a lap dog. Well... God owns everything, but he kind of put a structure into it and responsibility. And uh, Psalm 8, verses 6 to 8. Now, I'm not going to read that psalm, but I am going to read a paraphrase of it as reflected in the lyrics of a Keith Green song called How Majestic Is Thy Name. The song says, You've made man a little lower than all the angels. There's a program for the future, Pete. Mm Mm-hmm and crowned him with glory, now listen to this, to rule over your creation. And under his feet, under man's feet, you've put the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and what passes through the seas. So we are to rule over God's creation, and Psalm 8 specifically talks about animals, not just the land animals, but what passes through the seas, and we don't even know what all's out there because we come up with new discoveries, it seems, every year. A little more about this. Uh, Steve, would you share with us Genesis 1.26? And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, 
and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. To me, that's very sobering because God made those creatures. He owns them. Uh, he cares for them. Very clearly in the scripture, it tells us that. And yet he gave human beings dominion over them. We have an extremely important responsibility. And I think of how mankind in general in a fallen world has abused that. Um, how many times have I heard just terrible stories of how people mistreated animals? That's a misuse of a charge that God gave human beings. Uh, I know of a person uh, years ago who would go out of his way down the road if he saw a little cat near the road, go run off the road to run over the cat. That is abuse of the dominion that God gave us. Whenever I see an animal, and especially those in need, I want to fulfill my role. Um, but let's bring this up. Not at the expense of caring for human beings. I think there's a danger there. I think there's a danger that we would care more for animals in need than human beings. Clearly, God cares about human beings he died for. Did God die for animals? Not in a sense of salvation would be my thought. Any thoughts on that? I tend to agree, yet I think it was Martin Luther who was asked the question, as probably many of us have been, is my pet going to be in heaven? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have this right in front of me because I didn't know we were going here with this today, but I think that his answer was, well, if everything we've always wanted in is going to be in heaven, then our pets are going to be there. Something along those lines. You won't find, to my knowledge, you won't find a direct answer to that in the Scriptures. Right, right. You know that God likes to give good gifts to his children, and when I'm in heaven... Uh, I may ask him, who knows, mm -hmm. to recreate the little cat that was so dear to me here on this earth. Um, well, there's a question of, do animals have souls? Yeah. And uh, I've done some research on this, and I, I don't want to say, yes, they definitely do. But I think if you look at the Hebrew, uh, particularly in that creation account, God uses the same words for animals as he uses for humans. For in creation. Yeah, so when God says, um, he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and he became a living being, uh, that word living being, it's, it's actually two words. Uh, those same words are then used for the animals. Same thing when it says the breath of life, ruach, in Hebrew, ruach, the breath, that same word is used when it says everything that has breath, mm -hmm. give glory to God. So at least in those accounts, there's not a separate word for people having a soul versus animals having a soul. Yeah. Um, and the debate goes on and on in, in the theological circles, I guess, as to whether animals have two, two parts a bipartite, a body and a soul or spirit versus a body and a soul 
and a spirit, mm-hmm. which I think clearly humans do. Now, I, I'm not wise enough to to know where the distinction lies. I think it's safe to say we have a physical self and a non-material self, and what goes to the grave and what goes to heaven. Um, interesting studies. Now, I don't care if God has animals in heaven. I'd kind of like to see that. I wish the answer were clearly yes, but I don't know. And uh, But it's interesting from a word study standpoint. Thanks, Steve. Mm-hmm. But you know, the Holy Spirit was given to people. It wasn't given to animals. So that's, that's just true. a thought as well. That's true. I was thinking, though, from the scripture that we read, um, <clears throat> and let them have dominion over the fish and the birds and the livestock. And... Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to talk about a little bit later about the eating of foods and everything, but giving them dominion, uh, you know, they're they're meant to be for us. Yes. And so I can't help but think about Jesus uh, telling them to cast it, told the disciples, cast the net on the other side, and all those fish came in, you yep. know, or, or the scripture that says, you know, where he was uh, frying up the fish for them, mm-hmm. you know, and so they ate this fish, you know, and we eat fish and we eat birds and we eat the livestock, and mm-hmm. we said in our last episode how uh, God sacrificed an animal and clothed people with it, and right. so uh, and sometimes there are pets, and so there's these variety of animals that have purposes for human beings, and we are to have dominion over them, but they do have purpose for us. Absolutely, that's well said. Thank you, Vicky. Um, Vicky, would you share with us uh, a verse I found pertinent to this subject in Proverbs 12 and verse 10? The righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. Interesting. Um, You know, we live in a day and age when we rely less and less on animals for uh, like a pack mule or to carry people or things like that. So every family, I suppose, had a, a beast of burden, if you will, an ox or a to pull a cart or a donkey uh, to ride on. But the Bible clearly tells us that uh, if we have an animal, uh, we're to care for the needs. That pleases God. The kindest acts of the wicked are cruel, it says. Uh, That's interesting. Leaves open to a lot of speculation. I I just, it tears me up when people uh, beat innocent animals or tie them up for months at a time outside or, or not feed them or something like that. But the righteous care for the needs of their animals. Um, a friend of mine wrote on Facebook this I thought was pretty good. It says, no matter how talented, rich, or intelligent you are, how you treat animals tells me all I need to know about you. And I don't think he came up with that on his own. But I, I think it says a lot about people based on how they treat their animals. You know, you can easily see in the back of your mind mistreatment of of children, for example, if they mistreat animals. I also thought about that song, Bless the Beasts and the Children. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. said, for in this world they have no voice, they have no choice. So we have responsibility uh, having dominion over the animals. Well, I like this one. Uh, Pete, would you share with us, um, we're going to talk about the Great Commission and how it relates to this. 
or if it does. Uh, Pete, would you share with us Mark chapter 16, verse 15? Jesus is who this is referring to. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's from the New King James Version. Yes. Because a lot of the other uh, translations, right or wrong, say to all creation. This this one I liked. It said to every creature. It was preserved from the King James and the New King James. But if you, like Steve was talking about doing word studies, I went back and t- took a look at the um, the the word in Greek, which I can't even hope to repeat here. I don't know Greek, but the same word is used for creature in various places where it refers to animals and to people. And so there wasn't a distinction. We'll talk a little bit about that distinction uh, when we come back. Right now we're going to take a break, so stay with us. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace, where today we're looking at the subject of God and animals. A lot of scripture on this subject. We just looked at one, uh, a very famous one, uh, memorable one for Christians. The Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, One version says all creation. The Greek words in this uh, don't really distinguish the word creature uh, from man and animals. In other words, if you read this one way, it's an instruction to go preach the gospel to every creature. Now, some may say that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the good news is that Christ died for the sins of mankind and made possible eternity and salvation uh, and eternity with him. So what do you think? Would God have us preach the gospel to every creature to include animals, and if so, in what sense? In what sense does the gospel mean anything to animals? They're part of all creation for sure. I don't think it would mean a whole lot in words. Um, So the only way I could get it would be if we treat them well, you know, as, as the old saying says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Okay, any other thoughts? No, I'm just thinking that the fall of all creation was started by the fall of man, right? So so man fell, and then everything that we had dominion over fell along with us. You right. know, the leader topples, and everything goes with it. And now I'm thinking, well, salvation of man now will then... Uh, lead to the salvation of the rest of creation. And so I would say, Pete, you know, animals probably will not understand if you tell them, well, Jesus died for our sins, and so therefore at some point, you know, you, my pet dog, are going to be restored to your rightful place. They won't understand that. Um, But maybe they will understand the change that has taken place in me is now reflected in the way that I treat you. And, you know, we don't, we don't know what animals think about. We don't know 
what sense they have of God, what relationship they have with God in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say we don't know. I think God created them. God cares for them. God has some sort of relationship with them. Uh, that's just apart from the relationship that we have with them. Sure. I, I think that's a great point. It kind of leads toward uh, a point I wanted to make, too, that, and I'm not going to cover this in this particular program, but there's evidence that God communicates with animals. We don't know how that's done or what he says or how he says it, but he has uh, the ultimate dominion over creation, and there's evidence in the scriptures that that God does communicate with with animals. How, he does it through Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an it's amazing mediator. <laughs> it's an amazing talent. Uh, I will say that. But uh, that kind of dovetails with what a scripture I wanted to share. Uh, that Steve says against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. That's like Steve talking about mm-hmm. how the animals were impacted negatively. By man's fall. It says, and I'm reading from Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 20 to 22, where it says, All creation was subjected to God's curse against its will, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. In other words, there's going to be a redemption from the curse, there's going to be a restoration. Animals who were part of Eden, I think, will uh, be restored to their precursor status, if you will. It says, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So in some sense, as as Steve alluded to, the gospel, um, what does it mean to animals? Well, The animals are suffering. Uh, It says the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. How that awareness takes place, I don't know. I'm going to make a confession to you and the whole listening audience. I've preached the gospel to my cat. I have said, not in the sense of salvation, my cat can't be saved. Jesus didn't come here to save my cat. But as I pet that cat and it bumps its head against my chin to say, I love you, I said, Jesus died for mankind. He's been here. He's paid the price. And we know that someday uh, the whole creation, including you uh, or your relatives, if they're still around, are going to be free of the curse that was imposed upon us by the introduction of sin in the garden. Well, I'm in pretty good company because I'm going to uh, jump ahead a little bit. And here's a quote that I found about St. Francis of Assisi. So St. Francis is known for his persistent preaching to any creature who would listen. If Jesus commands us to preach to all creation, then this means for Francis, that he too must care for, save, and preach to all creation. He cared for creatures by demanding that we need not carelessly wound or hurt any animal, that we always show compassion for any creature in need. 
He preached to animals and even demanded this, I love this, even demanded that birds and crickets sing songs uh, to their creator. So uh, St. Francis, Pete, you would know this better than I, was what, a Catholic saint? He was like a, a, a monk, I guess is what you would call him. Um, you know, one of, one of the orders of, of, of a monk, I think, is what you'd best be uh, called today. And cared a lot for for animals, right? He, he, I think I think he is. I, I'm. I don't remember this from my Catholic days, but he may indeed be the uh, patron saint patron of animals. Saint of, of animals, but it appears that he took that commandment of the gospel, uh, the Great Commission, and took it quite literally. So I'm I'm kind of aligned with that line of thought. Not for the again, not for the purposes of telling a creature that they're for salvation. But that which went wrong with creation is going to be restored, and uh, that applies to all creation. Back up a little here. Steve, I'd ask you to share um, Acts 3.21. It says, Heaven must receive him until the time God comes to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Okay, so we're... T- this is Peter speaking to a crowd, and heaven received Jesus. Peter says, until the time comes for God to restore everything. So it kind of goes along with the, the uh, redemption from uh, death and, and decay. And Vicki, there's a short verse here, kind of dovetails with that, Revelation 20, verse 5. Could you share that? And the one sitting on the throne said, look. I am making everything new. In other words, there is a restoration. Mm-hmm. And it's been made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. The gospel uh, that we preach uh, is the good news that Jesus has paid the price. And he did it primarily for human beings, but it says that he's going to make all things new. Not just people, but all things. And... Uh, Bible also tells us that uh, what is it? Eye has not seen, uh, ear has not heard, ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man anything, or, or those things that the Lord has prepared. Mm-hmm. So we can only imagine what God has prepared in this uh, re, uh, redemption of creation. Well, I wanted to share a couple thoughts here about. Uh, we can care for animals, and I think it honors God to care for them. But what if, have you ever known of anybody who's overdone it along those lines? And I'm going to share with you a couple things for, that I'm aware of. You know, every once in a while, somebody will come out and declare that the rapture is going to occur on a specific date. And the Bible says we don't know, we can't know the day or the hour. And so, but some people take it so seriously that leading up to the time of that projected date and time of the rapture, they're thinking, oh, if I get taken up, my animals will be locked in this house. Have you ever heard of anybody talking about that? They're like family members. Mm -hmm. And these people, as an act of care for their pet and their pet's fate, will have their pets taken to a vet and euthanized because they don't want to see them start. (laughs) And another one... There have been some 
who have contracted for services of coming in to look at their pets should the rapture occur, which I find extremely hilarious because here we are trying to reach the world for Christ, for eternity, but here's a group of people who are counting on certain people they contract with, remaining sinners, and missing the rapture so they can come and take care of their animals. Now, I find that both funny and sad. I wish I had that business idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there's still money to be made on it. Yeah. Have you known of people that have arguably cared more for their pets than for other human beings? I've known of it. I can't say that I specifically know people, but I have heard that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's out there. What I'm trying to say is that in caring for animals and appreciating them, <clears throat> I think God would have us keep his priorities in line. I feel bad every time I buy a whole bunch of dog and cat food and give them to stray animals behind the house because I'm thinking, you know, starving people over here and uh, the money could have gone to them. I don't want to drive that too far, but it does make me think Mm -hmm. and and prioritize. Well, how about the concept of vegetarians? Uh, Obviously not today, but consider in God's original design, at least apparently land animals and birds, you could argue, were vegetarian. Now that's interesting because the animals around us, like lions and tigers and bears, um, it's hard to picture them eating only grass, bamboo shoots, leaves off of, of trees. Uh, Pete, would you share with us the seminal scripture here, Genesis 1, 29 to 30? Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Now, somewhere along the line, I missed the meaning of that. When somebody pointed it out to me, it was hard for me to relate to. Because lions kill things. Coyotes, I mentioned, they kill and eat things. That's the way the world is now. Do you believe, based on this scripture, that at at creation, that the land animals, at least, we'll talk about sea creatures later, but that the land animals were given, quote, every green plant by God for their food? I think we mentioned it in the last uh, episode that uh, when sin entered the world, that... uh, the world ceased to function the way that God designed it originally. So yes, I believe that this change happened in animals. I want to share with you a verse before we close today. Uh, At creation was one thing in the end times when God physically ruled, when the Lord physically rules from the earth called in the millennial rule, we find these verses in Isaiah. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And get this, the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. 
They will neither harm nor destroy on my on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Do you see the parallel from Eden and the millennium? Yep. It's mm-hmm. going to be keyed on the fact that when Jesus comes back, that's going to change everything. Absolutely. Well, we have gotten through two episodes. I think we're going to stop with this for now, but it's a topic we might be able to come back for uh, sometime in the future. So Mick Wells, thank you for all your insights. And for Steve Wilson and Vicki Cundiff, this is Pete Becky, And I want to thank you for joining us again for another episode of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.